podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And today is our 136th episode where we talk about how to find a job, how to find a job in Australia or how to land a job if you have lost a job in COVID-19 times. Please uh, drop in your questions as we tackle the most difficult, the most curvy and the silliest question around job search, resume, interviews. LinkedIn, career change, and everything under the sun. And yes, so yesterday we took a well-earned rest, and I did take out my dog for a walk. I'm not sure whether KB took a kayak out in the, uh, you know, in around where she lives. It was pretty windy. I'm pretty sure she did not. Otherwise, she would have been on the other side of the uh, the coast, but uh, she's here. So welcome, uh, Caroline. Uh, you know, to the 136th episode. It's a lot of episodes, Nish. It's a lot of episodes. So yes, thank you for uh, well, thank you for welcoming me. I'm here every day, but I feel very welcome. Yes, and the weather today dropped down to 11 degrees in Melbourne. So we're in for some more wintry weather as we go through spring, which is very Melbourne-like. So if you've got any questions around anything, resumes, LinkedIn profiles, reference checks, networking, job networking, uh, how to get a job if you're new to Australia, video interviews, anything at all, please do pop them in the comments and questions. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do join us and put questions there. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we are uploading videos regularly. So if you like what you see, please do subscribe. I thought I'd just sneak that one in before I actually forget uh, with anything. So, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. And MTS has popped up. Hi, how are you doing? Hope you're doing awesome. Yes, we are. <laughs> I think, aren't we? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Nancy. Absolutely. Super. Over the moon, Imtiaz. Uh, <laughs> let's, I, I'll, I'll probably start with a uh, couple of things. Um, uh, one of one of the not a client but one of the person that I knew he was looking for work for a long time he landed up a role in IT probably a month back so we just got on a call because I was curious to know how did he really end up finding that role and he said that he uh, approached his friend uh, who used to work in an IT consulting kind of an environment and he was giving him suggestions around what the business can do and how the business can do more efficiently and you know in his domain of expertise and he did that for a few times and the the founder found it quite interesting the founder invited him for he said you know what let's come here and work here for a week see what happens right if you're so smart let's figure it out 
and you know he did that and he eventually landed a role over there mm. uh which was which was pretty you know uh, you know pretty interesting because i read a similar story uh if you you know in the what color is your parachute book as well at the very initial but those that goes back in you know in in the 1960s 70s uh you know where you can walk up to a construction site or or a factory or anywhere else and say you know get me to work for a week or so right and then you decide but you can't do that right now because of the insurance because of the laws you know and everything and here you go you know it's like you know he took the punt at that and he ended up you know finding a role i'm i'm actually have asked him to come on on our linkedin live once he finds some time to really share that perspective that how did he kind of come to come to take that risk and in before he started to give advice to his friend about the company what did he do the research and all those things i think that is what i wanted to really unpack that so i think that's what i'll i'll you know find out and one of our listeners also found work uh caroline mm. um you know yes he um and he's also promised me this will come on on our show uh you know as well um where he found a work in new south wales original new new south wales and he's been listening to our work since you know three four months came here from india and um you know he some the employer approached him through linkedin mm. and after a couple of rounds of interview he ended up landing this job so he moved mm. to regional new south wales right now and mm. he says that a lot of the things that what we spoke about gave him you know new ways to to think and act uh, around improving the resume around approaching people and everything else so i'm pretty excited to yeah. bring him once he's got you know some time uh, you know in his schedule and um, and yeah so who do we got amit welcome um, you know anik patel says what is your view on upcoming freelancing world so if you anik if you meant that what changes does the freelancing world or freelancing career will have in a, in post covid 19 era I I look I know I've not worked as a freelancer uh, but I would think that there um there will be more interesting opportunity being available for freelancers uh as as lot of lot of companies are looking at lot of because what what this has done is that this eliminated what we previously considered as a constraint around you know around their virtual working this is that's the that's one of the biggest barrier that this has eliminated covid-19 now you know previously it was considered you know do you want to try do you want to risk it out or not right now it says yeah why not you know we can take those risks and and do that so i think that is where i i see that this has removed certain barriers however you know freelancers have also got tough competition right now because there are there are many people who are looking at pivoting their skills into different area to to freelance also so it's 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 a great time for people who want to outsource freelancing but would be a tough time for freelancers to really market themselves um you know especially on a crowded platform like linkedin it's pretty difficult um i'll give you a quick tip then i'll you know get kb's view on that 
is that you know, I remember one of uh, one of the company that I uh, wanted to outsource some work in India, and he said that I should can you you know I, I don't mind you um, you know you uh, what is that? I don't mind the cost that you are asking me to I have no problem but can we do one thing I'm going to create my Upwork account can you really route it through there because you know it does two things one is that it just gives me the thumbs up of, of my work give a positive review of my work uh you know straight away so i think there are a lot of people are thinking creatively around gaining work uh you know outside but then also looking at switching over on upwork with straight away a contract maybe yes well i often hire people off upwork and what i have noticed is that Five years ago, uh, used to be a lot of people um, in India, the Philippines, um, and you were, it was a race to the bottom a lot of the time in terms of what the price is, what you would charge, or sorry, what people would offer their services for. But what I have noticed is now that there's a lot more um, from all over the world. So from Australia, the US, the UK, Europe, um, all over the world um, on Upwork and um, the rates that people are actually charging are quite commensurate with Australian rates. So um, the the idea that you know that I think that freelancing for for people in um, more developed economies like Australia has definitely become a thing that people do um, sometimes full time, sometimes as a, a side hustle. Um, if you're thinking about doing that, do go and have a look at what you're looking at on Upwork. But also keep in mind that um, people don't normal don't necessarily go for the lowest price um, in terms of you know the lowest rate in terms of you know you put a job up there and somebody bids on it they don't I don't I don't do that I I really do look at the the good like something within my budget but a really good match for what I'm actually looking for so if you're thinking about doing that. Um, Present yourself professionally, get your portfolio up to date, um, bid, respond um, professionally to the questions that people might ask when they're looking for people to do a task, just as, as you would for, for any other job. And, um, you know, make sure that when you do get your first job that you get people to rate you properly and treat it really professionally because it's a great way to earn some extra money um, alongside what you might be doing now and to earn some, develop some extra skills to actually um, change your career. And I did a version of that when I wanted to move from the corporate world. I did some freelance journalism um, while I was working full time. So that was my side hustle, side gig for a little while because I didn't feel particularly satisfied with the work that I was doing. So I think you can use it definitely use it to your advantage and those platforms are set up for you to find or for people people to find you or you to find people much more so than LinkedIn is. LinkedIn's much more of a professional networking um, platform versus a job uh, a freelancing platform. So it's here to stay. Um, it's a great way to get some extra money. Maybe you can you know transition your career. I know um, people that have done that as well or even you know if you need to do it full-time for a while um, do it full-time but I would actually also just as much as I'm on Upwork if I was thinking about freelancing I would do all of the normal things that you would in terms of setting up a business and that is to deeply understand 
the needs of the people that you're serving and trying to come up, say, if it's a service-based thing with um, a unique value proposition or a signature, signature system and your own brand around that because then, you know, you can, you're not competing against a whole bunch of other people on price for the same service. You're creating an audience of people that are really keen to come to you and just you, basically. So um, that's another way to look at it as well. Um, we've got a couple of other questions um, from Nilay, which is an interesting question. Um, hi, Nesh and Carolyn. I am a double master's and looking for my field job in the first year, but due to no experience, it's hard to find a job. I've done a master's in international business and a master's in informational technology and a bachelor in electronics and communication, and I don't know why, but still no luck. That's a tough one. What do you think, Nesh? Yeah, it is. I think I, I can feel, uh, you know, for you, Nila, and especially especially in COVID-19 times, you know, graduating with double masters, you know, in this time is something that will, um, that's probably not the right time. Um, having said that, I think uh, no experience when you say that, I think that would be the, the most differentiating factor here. I am just, you know, assuming that you are an international student breaking into Australian employment market where the experience counts far more than qualification. Um, I'm not saying that qualification is not at all important, but they value experience, real world experience far more. I would probably, you know, suggest you to look at, uh, you know, gaining work experience through internship or work placement because that will go far than uh, rather than applying to jobs right now using the, uh, the just just on the basis of your double masters and uh, and a bachelor unless you've got an experience overseas that you can really extract and really make sense of that in Australian context, then you might get away from from gaining an internship or a work experience. But if you do not have any experience, I think uh, you know it's best for you to. If I were you, I've, I've, in fact, I've given the same advice to a couple of other graduates this week, is that you know you should you should really put a pause right now to your job search and really think about whether you can use your university uh, career services to get get work placement or volunteering experience because that that's going to be uh, you know a very very important factor in an employer giving you a chance uh, so that that's what i would do and if you want to send us a resume also feel free to do that and we'll give you a feedback on where where you can improve on your resume you like yeah, I think that's a great idea with Nilay because I look at that and I go, I wonder whether people are really confused about what it is. Like there's obviously something that, I know it's COVID, and, but you've got to be thinking post-COVID as well. This situation isn't going to last forever. So just to go, okay, it's COVID, it's, it is hard, it's going to be slower. But um, I think uh, if you want to send us your... Uh, resume Nilay, and maybe if you're happy we can look at it live and tell you the first impression that we have from that and whether that might be confusing about what it is that you're actually looking to do because um, you know you've got the you've done your bachelor's in um, electronics and communication and then international 
business uh, um, and in and masters in information tech, information technology. So I'm wondering what what the positioning is for you and whether people can see the connections between the two. I, I would look at that on the outset and go, I think maybe people are wondering what, what you can do, but also wondering why you haven't worked and whether you're just overqualified and with, with no experience. Having said that, you know, people do get jobs as international students. Um, we had our tutor on the show a couple of weeks ago and go and check out that video on YouTube. Um, I can also put that in the links as well. Um, about what she did to actually find her first job as an international student because she's, she used LinkedIn a lot, a lot of networking on LinkedIn and getting information from her network. And, you know, one of the things that you could do, and I'm, this is just a thought bubble, is go and have a look at what the alumni are doing from your um, masters in Australia, see where they've ended up, because that might give you an indication of the types of jobs that you could actually target and, and then look to see whether, you know, your resume is speaking to those sorts of jobs or your LinkedIn profile speaking to those sorts of, sorts of jobs and go and have a talk to those people because that's what Achita did really well and get some advice on them from them about, you know, what you should be aiming at, um, what skills are in demand, how they got their first job and those sorts of conversations open up opportunities for you as well. But, yeah, I think, like Nash said, let's have a look at your resume if you're happy to send it have a quick look at it and um, see what that message, that first message might be um, saying about you. What do you think, Nish? I agree. I think it's, a, you know, even the, even though you're an international graduate or graduate stuff, I think it's a, it's a, it's a hugely tough environment. I think what Archita did uh, that made a significant difference was, I think she also, con she also, uh, you know, I, from memory, I think she completed internship as well as part of that. Yeah. And I'll probably, you know, we've actually got a guest coming up on next Friday. She's an international graduate. Her story is probably similar, but there's, you know, she started to volunteer in the first week, first, not the first year of her studies. And she works with, uh, even though she's an international student, she works with a big company right now as a data analyst. And uh, you know it's a it's a fascinating uh, story and how she really you know created a, a you know you know what a focus about gaining work experience volunteering with the industry and everything. You know that is what has made a significant difference. So Nila, feel free to send us the resume, and if you if you connect with us, we'll send you that that video that we are talking about, mm. which might give you some other you know ideas to think about to looking and finding a first gig in Australia. Uh, Nikos uh, has got a, a really great comment around freelancing, I think, uh, response uh, to the first, uh, to Anil's question. Uh, we need to shift thinking towards what is the value we as an individual can provide to companies rather than what companies can do for us. If we can clearly articulate this and deliver with clear outcomes, then this goes a long uh, way in securing our future. Absolutely, well, well said there, because then I think this reminds me of, uh, I think JFK said that uh, don't don't ask what US uh, can do for you, ask what you can do for the US or you can do for the country. I think that is, you know, that is still, you know, it resonates with. Uh, with the organization the more that you, your focus shifts from you to them it 
it helps you to think in the language it helps you to think about what could potentially be are the challenges what could potentially be are the pain points but what it requires is is listening what it requires is reading what it requires is engaging with those questions you know and and asking those questions reading a lot about it i think that's what is you know really required it just you know going back to the first story that i told you about the it professional who landed a job by advising and then creating you know i'm pretty sure that he would have had to you know put all his thinking hats in and think about what this company might be facing and listening to intently and then proposing some ideas to them so i think that's what is you know pretty much required what you say Katie? yeah look i think um you know there's also particularly in small business there's always stuff that they want to do that they never get to do right and so if you're putting on your thinking cap around time-saving technology for example um that you know you might be having a conversation with somebody and and you know unpacking that kind of what is it that you'd love you know what what's what, what, what would you love to accelerate moving forward with your business? Let me go and research some options for you, particularly with smart up, uh, smart up, startups. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But, yeah, like there is always something that, that people don't have the resources to do because all the type, the headspace, I reckon the biggest one is the headspace, just thinking about it. Um, in, you know, in business there's always a bunch of things that you want to do but the you've got to clear everything else that's going on to actually focus on getting that bit done. So that's, you know, there that's a, a question that you could ask to kind of create an opportunity or to, to prove your value to that company. Um, one of our colleagues, a guy by the name of um, Austin Belkak, talks to people about how to get a job um, without applying online. And his technique is to actually, once you've gone for an interview, is do something that demonstrates your sincerity and your value for that company. It's a bit of research that they need to have or um, suggest a solution based on a problem that they have. And all of those sorts of things um, really do um, help position you. So have a think about doing that kind of stuff. And it is about, you know, the company's not buying all of your skills, it's buying the set of the, the skills that you have that can solve that problem that they've got going on. And I think people tend to forget about that a little bit as well. Yeah, if you think about it, you know, I read a book called Gorilla Marketing for Job Seekers. Mm. You know, it's a fantastic book that came actually around the global financial crisis. And one of the uh, one of the strategies that they talked about is that you do so much research about the company. If you're if you're in sales and going to see a company, you know, for an interview, you go with leads. Mm. They look. I've already spoken to three companies about your products or your services, and this is what they have to say. Mm. Now. You know, even though, even though you you did not produce a remarkable insight about that, the act of you contacting three companies and talking about the products and services, mm. I think that itself will flow there. Will say, hang on, you know, you know, imagine what you could do. But all these things has to come from sincerity. You know, you can't, uh, you know, that's also has to be, you know, to be there, that you've got to put in the effort required to to do something really outstanding. I'm pretty sure that there are creative ideas. And maybe I was thinking we should do a, a session just on creative ideas in job mm. seeking. Mm. 
mm. you know, resumes to creative approaches because I've got some stories to tell and I'm pretty sure you would also have. We should yeah. do a session just on that because I think there is, you know, there is there is a, a moment that we can we can all go and say, you know what, this is not working. Let's park this aside. Let's have a bold thinking, like how they say in utopia. Let's have blue sky bold thinking. <laughs> Maybe not utopian, but Okay, let's. So, uh, Amit's got a question. Is it true that recruitment slows down during November and December in general, or due to COVID, might they continue with recruitment? One of my friends used to make a joke about Australia, which was from Melbourne Cup Day, which is the first Tuesday in November, to Australia Day, which is the 26th of January, nothing goes on. The whole country goes on holiday. It's not quite true. Day, recruitment does slow down during that time. I think it, it's not going to... I, I think the impact on the economy has been so tough that um, it will be slow. I, that, I can't see it suddenly, people going, yes, we're free. I think businesses, have, you know, there's been a lot of slowdown in business and a lot of shutdown, a lot of disruption. It means that I don't think... Um, I think recruitment will pick up, but I, I, I don't think it will be... Um, it would still be typically a slower period, I think, um, during that time. That's my guess. What do you think, Nish? I, I think that's right. And some of the thing I, I watched, um, not watched, but I saw a post yesterday that they were looking for 20 talent acquisition professionals to start, kickstart the, the casual roles for Christmas. Because I think if you just considering Victoria, we, you know, the rest of the country is still widely open this they still can go about and do their work victoria is the only one that we still have restrictions i think uh, i think our even mine and kb's views are also based in what's happening in victoria we are not really you know tuned to seeing what's happening outside of victoria as well so mm -hmm. if you look at the australian perspective also there are still retail you know, hospitality, tourism, all those things in in small pockets are also improving. Uh, you know, I, I watched an ABC news where they are saying that the regional places in in some of these states are booming in terms of their you know the occupancy in, in you know in the hotels and restaurants and everything because people are not able to go outside of the states and everything else. They might say, you know what, let's go and explore what we have got. Right. So I, I think that, and Christmas traditionally drives a lot of recruitment in in uh, hospitality, retail, uh, you know, uh, you know, sales and all those things. It does drive that. You know, I've had clients who got jobs in during Christmas time also. Now, obviously, there are you know, construction industry comes to a grinding halt, or close to a grinding halt during that time. So construction related activities stops for a month or so. You know, factories also go on break, you know, for a month or so. So there are some industries will do that. And obviously, you know, I don't think so anybody experienced the COVID so far. So we know I, I don't think so we know what would be the impact of that in next couple of months or during the Christmas time. Uh, but yeah, so it, it might be some the recruitment might pick up some may not but it, i don't think so we got really a, a concrete idea on that all right, all right mm -hmm. let's uh, move on um uh, we got hemangi welcome hemangi hi uh when in psa when you lose motivation and get sick of job searching what are your tips to get over this hopelessness and uh, gain momentum okay. so just, 
Monday, we've got a guest coming in, Peter. Peter's a client of mine and a, a, a good friend, and he's a counsellor and a social worker. We're going to be talking about this very topic from, uh, you know, what it is to sort of lose your identity and uh, how job loss impacts people. And then we will be talking about um, what to help, you know, what can help move, move you forward from that. But I think just even talking about how it feels, because I think a lot of the time when you do lose your mojo, your momentum, you take it like that this is a unique experience and somehow you're to blame for that, um, that, that nobody else is experiencing that. So to understand that that's a very normal way to feel, I think is um, really important. Um, so in, in Tess, do watch Monday because um, Peter's really terrific at what he does and he'll have some, uh, I guess, some clinic, like we, we can talk anecdotes and what we know works, but he's talking from a clinical perspective. So, you know, what does the uh, clinical research show around how to um, move move forward from those sorts of times as well? So, yeah. What do you think, Nish? I was just going to ask him to watch all of our, you know, episodes again. To yes, get exactly. momentum. <laughs> but um, I, I do understand. I, I, I think um, not to ignore the individual experiences that we have about job seeking. They are, you know, you know, it can get under our skin and, um, you know, it's it's not a great place to be in. So I've, I have been on those places, uh, you know, where I've lost jobs. And they are absolute. I would never, uh, you know, you know, never want to experience those places before. Um, you know, I, I think one of the ways that may work in Tiaz is to really find someone that you can talk to, even a friend or a or a buddy that, you know, this is what's you know what happened in the job search. Don't you know you don't have to go beyond the job search. Just keep your focus on that. Uh, you know, rather than going beyond that. Like the way we did that yesterday, we just took a break, um, you know, so take breaks, uh, you know, because because you can only do certain things, you know, you, you can only do certain things. And, you know, that's what I find. Sometimes I find energy from doing the work that I like to do. For example, all of you know my uh, new found love for doodling. So I was... <laughs> doodling since uh, you know yesterday 12 o'clock i was doodling for certain you know ideas and it, i didn't notice the time pass because i can i can draw my energy from that if i can also you know talk about it i'll put that TEDx talk uh, over there uh that i think KB, I shared that with you about you know how being generalist mm. helps and i'm just it's a long bow and i'll see if i can connect that as well you know, you know, so there's a there's a school of thought which says that you you know try to acquire as much as many different skills as you can because you don't know where you can use that, but ultimately you can also draw from different skills the energy the thinking required so that you can propel forward. Uh, you know, I I I, I consider myself that I, I've I've studied engineering, I've gained engineering knowledge that gave me analytical skills, that gave me understanding of, of various aspects of, of, of uh, how things function. Then I went into sales and marketing. Then I went into training and now I'm doing career coaching and I've done 
I'm, I'm doing doodling right now, and I'm, you know, I'm, I, I listen to a lot of music. But I think all of them really gave me tremendous experience when I'm when I think through a problem, and I, I find joy in that. I can synthesize different couple of ideas and say that this might work, and you know, I can present it. You know, I don't know whether India that that's what you're looking for, but SKB mentioned join us. Obviously, you join you will join us on Monday, but I think that would be you know fascinating for you to. Uh, to to that as well, Nish, because I think one of the things I reckon, I, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience because it might help you, Intiaz, is, you know, in lockdown in Melbourne during isolation, there's this sort of slowly deadening of your energy levels and your enthusiasm. And you don't realise how much your mind, your, your outlook is actually stopping you from doing things. So, um, Today, just to give you an, and it's an automatic thing. It things, it just sort of gets shut down. I know with people that I've worked with that have found jobs, the people that have been the most successful are the people that have treated it like, you know, on the straight to shortlist program, for example, treated it like a project. So every day, I'm going to read, I'm going to follow the guidance that I've been given, and I'm going to reach out to five people, and one person might say yes, and however they've felt. They've just sat down and they've done that task for that day. Um, and what what happens is people come back and say yes, and I think that momentum, that sort of some reinforcement um, keeps the, their progress going no matter how they feel. But if you do that kind of stuff in stop and start, I reckon that's where your mind plays tricks with you and it takes much more energy to restart than it does to just build on the progress that you have keeping going. You actually have to lift yourself up and put yourself back on, on that track. And the mindset thing is just always assuming that people aren't going to respond or that it's going to be a bad conversation or um, I'm going to get rejected. And it actually stops you from putting your absolute best foot forward. Just to give you a little example of that, and th this I really think is around being isolated um, and, and doing something on your own and particularly relevant to this period. Today, um, there was a couple of people that I wanted to ask to come on the show and I had the choice of either emailing them or ringing them. I'm like, oh, I hate ringing people, <laughs> you know. And then I stopped myself and I went, I'm assuming that this is going to be a bad conversation. That's That was... And that's the mindset. That's the kind of feeling of it's just not going to work. And that's what you have to kind of be really aware that you have. And that's why I think that kind of the people that succeed the most make sure that they've got this daily task to do around, like this daily objective to do because it keeps the momentum going. And, you, you know, particularly, say, from a networking point of view, you do get results if you do it in the right way. So that would be my suggestion. It may not work for everyone, but that's what I've observed in people that I've worked with that where we've been actively reaching out to people. It's the people that treat it and they do it a bit every day versus the stop and the start because that's when your mindset goes into that that downward death spiral type thing. So MTS, I hope that helps, but do watch um, on Monday as well. 
Excellent. Good. Chavi Sharma said, hi, uh, Naishal. Hi, Chavi. You know, unfortunately, we could not meet when the when we came to to New Delhi because um, she was going to be the host of the APCDA conference, uh, which got cancelled. Uh, so, you know, uh, when I come down to New Delhi next time, we'll, we'll have a chai together, Chavi. But, you know, good to see you on this platform. Nila, yeah, please send in your resume, uh, you know, and uh, and yeah, keep watching uh, because I, I told somebody, you know, KB, and that someone asked me about, oh, where do I find all those videos? And I said, look, go to YouTube. You find some of them, uh, some of the videos or download the podcast, uh, you know, whatever, 134 episodes at that time. And I said, look, if you listen to everyone, I don't think so you'll need to you need my help. She said, wow. I said, yeah, I promise you. If you do everything that we ask you to, I don't think so you'll need my help. But there you go. Kushbu uh, says, as a recruitment consultant, I'd like to add my two cents here. Only apply to jobs that are relevant to you and ensure you highlight responsibilities and achievement in those areas. Absolutely. And that way you don't waste your time and your anybody's plus you won't be demotivated wondering why applications aren't progressing. Absolutely spot on Kushbu. And that's really, it's good that even the, you know, our belief and our thinking also resonates with recruitment consultants as well i think we had gauri um you know here uh you know earlier in the week and i think she would have said the same thing as well when she says you guys are doing great work uh, thank you very much Kushpo. appreciate your compliment uh, now tanya has a question for those skilled migrants who already have PR visa, whose travel plan to get to Australia got impacted, whether it would be advisable for them to move to Australia in October, November this year? No. If short answer is no, it's not advisable. Uh, you know, for just a couple of reasons. One is that you are, you know, coming into during the COVID times, you are coming. You go to quarantine, and now quarantine is also in what I understand is the individual expense. Earlier, the state or the federal government used to sponsor that; it's no longer there. So that's an extra expense. And secondly, the jobs market is pretty tough. And considering that with lack of overseas experience, sorry, lack of local experience, which is another hurdle. I think it's going to be it's going to be double whammy. I would probably suggest you to put that on hold, uh, unless obviously it's an individual choice. But since you asked me this question, if I were you, I would put that on hold. Um, you know, at least early next year, unless you've got a big network of people who can start to really help you out the moment you arrive here. Something like that, then you may change, Tanya. But just just on those five lines that you said, if they were the ones, then I would probably advise you to reconsider or look at you know maybe February, March, or something. By that time, things will be much uh, much more clear about the impact of pandemic, but also uh, that the uh, you know most of the states and everything will be much open. You can travel across as well. Uh, like you know, what I told earlier about one of our listeners who got a job, he spent two weeks here in quarantine, and then he spent two weeks in in regional New South Wales before he could actually start work. But imagine the impact of that. It's not it's not just about the financial impact, but you're staying alone, 
and you know, you know, those, those impacts are you, know, you can't really put a price tag on them. Gabby? Yeah, I'd just echo it's a very disruptive time and um, just check your, you know, the job market's slow. The, I think the job market will be slower because of COVID, just because of the economic impact. And they say, you know, the in any recovery, um, jobs are the last to sort of pick up. So, um, but I'd also check what the government's got, what little surprises and delights <laughs> await you in terms of, you know, paying for the quarantine and um, so forth as well. So I think it's just going to be a crazy time for a while, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, Balin, hi, Balin. Any any advance on whether we're on a good number day or not um, before we ask, answer your question? But no, just kidding. We'll have a look. Um, okay, so I recently applied for a job. Now I've received a questionnaire from a recruiter with 15 questions. What should I make of it? Is it a preliminary interview? I would say that your resume has done its work in that, in that they've um, shortlisted you to a point of the next screening round, and that's exactly what those 15 questions are. So make sure that you answer them to the, the best of your ability, You know, present them professionally, correct spell, spelling and grammar, whatever. I'm not sure what the format is. I'm just assuming that it's um, written responses. Um, because I, I, looking at that, I don't think they'd get everybody to do 15 long. If they're long answers, they're just creating a rod for their own back with that. So I would treat it like a you know, really positive sign and that you're, you've progressed to the next round and um, make sure that you thoroughly answer the questions as, as asked and follow instructions. Because just another tip with that, so many times, like it, it is actually, you know, we talk about people being interviewed, right? And the interview is also how you treat the small talk you make with the receptionist, how you book a time for yourself, how you respond in interview, uh, sorry, how you respond in email. Every interaction around your interview is part of your interview. So with something like that where you're given 15 questions, the way your responsiveness with that, the way that you answer the questions and the way that you're, you follow instructions is all part of your interview. Like it's all part of the screening process. So I treat it very, very seriously. And well done. I forgot to say, well done. Absolutely. I don't think so. I've got anything extra to add, Balin, but it it seems that the the resume is working. So that's really good. Uh, it's a pretty good job. Uh, all right. We've got uh, Intia says, sounds like a great idea. Creative ideas would be fantastic. Absolutely. We will do that. Uh, Karen has a comment that we always say in the West that business goes into holiday mode from Christmas to Australia Day. Traditionally, not a lot of decisions are made during the time, but some are. Mm. Don't give up. Absolutely. Karen, thank you for that comment. From Melbourne Cup Day, but you know, <laughs> that's where the. Well, again, we're not having Christmas parties this year, are we really? So <laughs> we might just be working all the way up. <laughs> so. Zoom party. Zoom. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, yes, Poonam, uh, welcome. Uh, and uh, what's the next one? It's a pile says local experience is key to landing a first job in IT. It depends. Uh, if I'm more diplomatically correct, then I say it depends. Not everybody requires it, uh, but that's the hurdle that you will always get asked. It's a, it's a 
in a, it's how how your exports experience is relevant in Australian market. Also, it's something that you got to look at. You got to look at whether you're presenting that experience in a in a best way possible or not. As I think Kushbu earlier said about responsibilities and achievement, are you really highlighting those high impact stuff or not? That also makes a, makes a big difference. But Pyle, if you if you contact. Uh, you know, to to me and Caroline separately, we'll open up. I've written a book on that. I'll flick you across, which says how do you really deal with those local experience questions? Um, you know, which are you know which are difficult to. Sometimes it causes a lot of difficulties, but they are not not the most difficult questions to answer as well. Um, all right, so we got a question from Jose. Um, uh, Balin uh, or comment. Yes, it's a common thing to screen candidate and I don't know whether it's a normal thing pre-COVID. Would like to hear your thoughts as well on this. So I've seen, uh, you know, I've, I've not seen 15 questions. Somebody gets, you know, you know, gets to respond to 15 questions, but I've also seen that sometimes they say, you know what, answer these specific questions because they've got a they they they've got a selection criteria kind of a thing that they want you to write things up and they create a candidate profile based on that and then they send it to the client for them to to look at that because those questions are not behavioral i'm pretty sure balin uh, those questions will be far technical questions around your your technical competencies not so much about the the behavioral uh, side of things so so it it will be you know I, I think there are some organizations or some recruiters have the practice not everyone else so i don't think so that this is uh, unusual uh, you know in australian context at all uh, any thoughts on that kb yeah no before covid people were using all sorts of screening tools to um, you know screen people out or screen people in so um, but maybe they're just uh, are looking for ways to make their decision easier from mass applications and um, you know in using using something like that might be a good way to do it so it'd be interesting Balan if you get a chance maybe not today because I think we're running out of time but to let us know what those sorts of questions were and um, maybe that will help other people that are watching this show as well just to be aware of what could come up um, you know if it's easy to put them in the chat box or or whatever just uh, yeah, give, give people an indication of what people are asking. So, um, uh, Satwick says, uh, advise of the STAR model. Are you looking for advice around that or for us to tell people what that is? Um, I'm not sure. But the STAR model, if you're looking for advice around that, is uh, an acronym. So it stands for Situation, Task, Action and Result. And when people ask you a question, in an interview, give me, tell me about a time and give me an example. That's a great um, structure to um, respond to that. Also, you know, you use a STAR approach in selection criteria, um, sometimes a mini version in a cover letter. Um, sometimes I kind of use it in a resume as well to talk about, um, you know, to, to give people some context around a job, particularly in um, the more senior roles as well. So. Uh, Satwick said, tell people. Okay, yeah. So sometimes, uh, for example, Balin, if, yeah, I think you said the, que the questions you're going to be asked are a mix of both technical as well as behavioural. So in those behavioural, you would use that, that STAR 
um, approach to um, answering those questions. Absolutely, and we've done, I think we've done a show on behavioral questions as well separately, you know, on that. They are, you know, it, it just requires practice with STAR questions. You know, you, you know what, what we recommend is, you know, go to Google and find out 20, 25 questions and really write down, really write down those responses, even bullet points, write it down and weave a story around it. Because if you've got some practice of weaving a story, uh, you know, a compelling argument, compelling story, you'd be able to do it, you know, on your own feet when you, when you really are, you know, uh, you know, responding to a behavioral question that you haven't heard before. So I think I think you need to have at least some bank of knowledge, so that you can build on that. Uh, you, know, you know, try to avoid fabricating it right there, on the spot. Uh, you know, because because it, it can go completely haywire, and people understand that, right? You know, the other person understands whether you are really fabricating it or you are constructing it. So mm. I think you've got to be very very careful. Uh, you know, around that. Um, we'll take one more question and then I you know we are coming to an end. Pyle uh, says, what kind of questions first time recruiter asking in the chat conversation? Is it technical or behavioral? Uh, look, it could be a mix of them. Behavioral question they will not touch on in the full conversation. So Pyle, if you are referring to a conversation where you applied for a role and after a couple of days, or next day you get a call from the recruiter say hey pile look you applied for this it role and we wanted to have a quick chat are you free right now and i'll say yep absolutely please go ahead now recruiter has got 10 minutes or so uh you know for for them to get a get a judgment of uh, of your skills your abilities your confidence and everything they are not going to throw behavioral questions it's more around whether you know the role that you applied for, whether you sound enthusiastic, whether you you've got the right skill or not, whether do you really know what you can bring, do you really know what kind of work you applied for or not? All those things that they are judging you, and I'm pretty sure that Gauri would have covered that question in the uh, you know uh, I think on Wednesday when we had the. Um, we had her on about interview techniques from recruiter perspective. So I would suggest, Pyle, if you want to go and check that video out, because that that was focused on interviews from recruiter's point of view. Amy? Um, yes. So first time uh, recruitment interview in a chat conversation, um, you could expect both. Like they might say, "Do you have experience in uh, ABC?" and you, Tell them what your experience is um you know they'd be checking off the key things i think i think the absolute critical things they need, need for the role um and yeah you can be asked behavioral questions in a, that first time chat conversation um you know give me an example of a time or could you provide an example of a time where you've done blah 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 um definitely so be prepared for both um, when a recruiter calls you and says this is a good time to talk you could pretty much assume this is a good time to talk so I can screen you is the um, request in, in that, that conversation. So do be prepared for any job that you've applied for where you've got a good, think you've got a great shot that you're actually going to be screened um, against that job description. And in terms of the types of behavioral questions that might come up, go back and have a look at the job description because I think every 
and look at look at what the accountabilities are in that and the, the big ones the big priority ones you can expect a behavioral question around that and also so you know from that technical competency but you can also expect those kind of assess your cultural fit or those softer skill type behavioral questions as well around leadership or managing challenges or uh, working in teams or leading teams or you know all of those sorts of things as well so um, you know go back to the job description and you can, you can guess a lot of the nature even though they might be phrased up um, slightly diff differently but you'll get a sense of the nature of the types of questions that you might be asked excellent that brings us to another end of a parliamentary zero hour proceedings on career care packet where we have taken an answer we have not deflected answers um questions sorry if you still feel that there are more questions that you have either you can send it to us or bring them on friday which is a public forum you can ask questions as you have done it today if you want us to review your resume uh you know publicly which we have done it for few occasions which we think that has been of great value to those people who sent it if you want us to do it please send it to send your resume across to us we if you want we will not reveal your name and we'll just keep the resume content and we can give you some constructive feedback on that as well um and and yeah please please keep watching our show uh we've got 136th episode and we like to continue and make I don't know, 200, 300, 400, <laughs> whatever that is possible, um, you know, and and and, uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much it from us. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe our channel so that, as I've always said, we want to retire on the money that we make on <laughs> YouTube ads. Uh, so please help us to do that. And um, and yeah, please continue to uh, to watch. We will, next week we've got at least two three guests who have already confirmed. We are still working on few others. We can't tell you exactly. Uh, and for those days, if you don't have a guest, we'll probably go and ask James Bond to come and you know talk about the new movie that you know he's coming along with. Uh, but we will. We'll, we'll still bring a lot of value to, to your LinkedIn and to your career. So until we see you on Monday, please look after yourself and your family. And if you're in Victoria, I know there's a big day coming up on Sunday where we find out what restrictions will be eased. But please make sure that you continue to put on masks and maintain social distancing. Until then, please have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.